Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan, Flo Siegel, and Anders Drew on Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on... Yet another DC animated podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Jamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year the American crime action heist film directed by F. Gary Gray, Set It Off, was released. You got Jada Pickett, you got Queen Latifah, Vivica A. Fox, and Kimberly Elise. They try to do a bank robbery, but things go sideways. Oh, and that right there is another movie I need to watch again. That oh, was yeah. A good movie. Like, I know that new Michael Bay ambulance is coming out with Jake Gyllenhaal and John David Washington and they're doing the same thing, but- uh, Queen Latifah did it first. <laughs> did it first, did it best. But what happens in that movie is they go in the heist, they bring a gun, things go wrong. And that reflects what happens today. So before we even get started with anything, just wanted to say up on the top, during this episode, we will be discussing gun violence. We'll be talking about bullying and we'll be talking about situations that could have led to mass shootings in schools. So if any of that makes you uncomfortable, feel free to leave, come back next week. But we do feel it's important to talk about these issues to continually raise awareness for them. Yes, yes, because today's episode, we're talking about the season two finale of our Static Shock series. This is a heavy episode that we have here because we're seeing what happens when Virgil and Richie make friends with a relatively old new kid in school who is subjected to a lot of bullying. And during that time, we see how it does escalate as the story is being told from Virgil's eyes. So our main cast of Static is back for this episode. And we do have some special guest stars as well as we have 
Mikey Kelly, who is voicing our bully here, uh, Nick. You might remember him actually from his voice from an episode of Batman, Brave and the Bold, he voices Commandy. We also have Lorraine Toussaint, who is here as Dr. Franklin, the therapist for our episode. And Selma, Fast Color, Orange is the New Black, and a lot of other voices that she's done as well. And finally, we have Jimmy Osgood, and he is voiced by Richard Stephen Horvitz. He is the, um, the main person who gets a lot of speaking time during this episode, as we also have heard his voice from either Invader Zim or Billy from The Grim Adventures. Wait, so you're saying this is Billy from... Yeah, this is Billy from Billy and Mandy. Blown away. Yeah. He echoes through a lot of the, the emotions that you would typically associate with these scenarios. So I'm just like really shocked that looking back on such a comedic voice, especially because of him being Zim in Invader Zim, is just like to bring it here is just amazing talent in the voice talent world. Uh, we open up to a already pretty jarring scene at the Freeman Community Center where we see police officers are keeping people back and there is an ambulance there as well as a news helicopter circling the situation. Yeah, right away we see something we don't want to see on the show. Richie is on a stretcher coming out of the community center. Virgil is out of costume and very confused, very hectic. He wants to jump in the ambulance with Richie, but his father is in the ambulance already with Richie and and forbids it. So right away off the top, it's an action-packed opening. We're clearly right in the middle of something. So to understand it, to take us back and reveal that Virgil is talking to a therapist and going to be telling this entire story through narration and through a flashback. Yeah, and already here, opening up to this office, uh, Virgil is acknowledging the fact that he's never done therapy before. You know, it's already that stipulation right there of just like that common thread of just like Black people don't do therapy. Like this is, you know, here he's acknowledging that like, yeah, he was told that he needs to talk to somebody. He recognizes that his father's work is already helping out so many kids. So he decides to speak to a therapist. During this time, Virgil counts how he is... You know, he doesn't say he's out there being static. He mentions that he bumps into an old friend, but we see that it is a fight between static as he's going toe to paw with Carmen Dillo here. And uh, Carmen Dillo is uh, doing doing good. He's He's been talking about how he's been training and he's been really muscling up now. So he's like probably trying to get this most, most Jack character of the episode. I mean, he's trying. He puts up a good talk, but... Just like any typical Dragon Ball Z feeling that's like, oh, I got you now this time. <laughs> nah, not this time, Carmadillo, because your final form was not enough for Static. Because <laughs> Static pretty much instantly overwhelms Carmadillo with a couple of choice hits. And he ends up wrapping Carmadillo on a ladder because he has to get to school. And Carmadillo, I love it. Yes. As Virgil's flying away, he's like, I hope you get detention. <laughs> <laughs> Just hilarious. Just what I expect from the best villain on Static Shock, Carmen Dillo. So Virgil flies into school now. He's um, changed back into his regular clothes. And as he's trying to make his way into the, into the office or the school classroom, teacher catches him immediately and tells him he has two options. He can either sit in the principal's office or sit in class. So obviously, like many of us, he chose the sit in class option. Yo, Virgil was four minutes late. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> four minutes? Come on now. I want to immediately use one of his classic lines of, oh, I had tummy troubles. Like, <laughs> I'll take that L. 
Uh, in, in high school, because I was on eight floors of a high school, being like two to three minutes late was common because you literally couldn't get up the stairs that fast. <laughs> so four minutes is, n- come on, you, you guys got to have. Is that a common thing in high schools? Because I used to have gym class in the basement and then had to travel all the way up to the 10th floor for either lunch or science class. Like, Why? <laughs> Some programming aide who major schedule did that on purpose and was laughing while they did it. <laughs> I, that is my theory, and I'm sticking to it. But before we get too too boggled down into school standards on lateness, right? Back in the episode, Virgil is sitting down and he leans over to a student that we haven't seen before. This is the titular Jimmy, and Virgil immediately tries to see what Jimmy's working on. Jimmy's got his laptop out, and in 2002, to have a, a laptop. Yeah. That you take to school and it's functional and can do more than just play like Microsoft Snake Word again. What was that other game? Um, Mind, Mind Sweep? Something. Could they even <laughs> handle Mind Sweep back then? I'm not sure. Oh, it could. But as they, Virgil's just trying to get to warm up to this new kid. And then here comes this guy, Nick. I couldn't describe him. He has like this baby head. But he's also a you know gym he bro? looked like he looked yes <laughs> he looked like uh one of the Wonder Twins DC's Wonder Twins yes if was... they just decided to I don't know just bench press and do no leg day at all <laughs> <laughs> see he wanted he was like Carmen Dillo is gonna try to take the No Jack Award from me but I <laughs> I am gonna do it and he he did impress me today with the the muscles mm. but this baby face bully Nick starts harassing Jimmy. Just messing with his computer, moving the mouse, doing all these just annoying things for no good reason. And Virgil even narrates like, what is going on with this? this Right. And it's just constant harassment. Yeah. And he does bring up a good question, too. It's just like, why... You know, the teacher, uh, Mrs. Coleman, who obviously is referred to as like having eyes like a hawk. Why is she not seeing anything happening here? Like it's clear around the classroom that this is happening to Jimmy. And he does question now, like, you know, why didn't the teacher see it? Why didn't he just step up and try to stop it? And, you know, that level of internal dialogue is really surprising just to hear, mainly because he does end it with justifying his own actions or inactivity, really, by saying that, you know, he could have helped. But when he's seeing someone in, in, in this situation, not even trying to help themselves, what more can he do? So now school ends for the day. Richie and Virgil are heading out. They're you know, discussing about their homework assignments, but then they immediately see that Jimmy is being once again harassed by Nick and his, I don't know, it's like his crew, his goons. They're grabbing his laptop. They're grabbing um, the mouse that was connected to it. They're giving him a wedgie and, you know, they drop the mouse on the ground, causing it to crack. And Virgil and Richie immediately run over to try to at least help Jimmy up because at that point, they kind of just sat back once again and kind of watched the scenario or it was just like, not enough time for them to reach over to intervene. Yeah, and this is such an interesting, this is just such an interesting point for Virgil because Virgil, to our knowledge, does not have any super strength. Doesn't have any, obviously he's not a trained martial artist or anything. So there's really nothing he can do as a civilian to kind of soften this blow. So it's really, you know, he, as much as, you know, it looks like he's helpless, he really can't do anything without exposing himself. So 
it, it really is quite this interesting thing where he's stuck in. So what he offers to do is go to help Jimmy to report what's going on, to to do something, but Jimmy doesn't mm-hmm. want to go through that process. So instead, Virgil and Richie team up. They decide to <laughs> Virgil steals. Well, not steals, but borrows his... Permanently borrow them. (laughs) Yeah, the permanent borrow. Sharon, his sister Sharon's old mouse and gives it back to to Jimmy while going over to the house and offering to spend some time. I do want to know, though, how does everybody know where they all live? Because I feel like this is not... This is at least the fifth time I've seen Virgil just go over to somebody's house. Like, Dakota's gotta be a big city. You can't just know where every single person is, especially if he just met Jimmy in this episode. Well, you know, he's got those sneaky links in the police department, so I... I, (laughs) (laughs) As Static and Virgil, so, you know, I I think somehow he's cracking the database. Yeah, okay, that... Okay, I guess that's a good point. (laughs) So... As they're inside the house, they're like really Virgil and Richie are just really amazed by Jimmy's stuff. But the first thing we do see, though, is before they head on up to his room is that we meet Jimmy's mom, who is really happy to see that Jimmy has some friends to talk to. She, you know, asks us, like, is there anything she could do? But right now she's actually heading out. And before she leaves, as Virgil and Richie head up the stairs, she stops Jimmy for a second and tells him, make sure not to chase them away, which shows here that maybe she has seen in the past that he's had some issues either with making friends or, you know, or like the friends he has had, she's, he's pushed them away in some way. So now that they're up in Jimmy's room, Virgil and Richie are checking everything out. They're impressed by all the sci-fi stuff that's around. It's, you know, it's very dark also in the room. As they're hanging around, Virgil's checking out a lava lamp while Richie and Jimmy are talking about this toy space gun. And then as he heads on over to Virgil, Jimmy tells him, hey, you know, I got something even cooler than all this stuff. I can show you a real gun that my dad has in the house because he bought it for protection. And this immediately sparks a sharp reaction from Virgil, kind of like, Virgil kind of just lets it all out at once. He just goes, I hate guns. My mom was killed by a gun. And he immediately tells Richie, they're going, they're leaving. There's no way that they're going to stay in the same place where a gun is out and free. And this cuts right back to the therapist who says, you know, you did the right thing. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely what you should have done. If someone shows you a gun, you know, this, it was the smart decision to make. And, you know, just goes with reinforcing this episode about guilt. What could he have done differently? And again, the therapist is constantly reassuring Virgil's choices into take action and to not take action. So, Virgil continues on his story. He tells him that Jimmy did end up apologizing for making him feel uncomfortable in this scenario. And we jumped over to the community center now. We see Virgil and Richie playing a game of 1v1 on the court. But we hear that Jimmy, who has been joining them as well, tends to just hang out on the side with them, really just like, but he stays on his computer. And as Virgil and Richie are playing, the ball ends up you know, getting loose and rolling its way over to Jimmy. And Richie's asking him, he's like, hey, man, why don't you just come through and just put, shoot, uh, shoot a couple of hoops with us? And, you know, Jimmy's saying that he's not very good at it, but Virgil's like, you know, neither is Richie, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to to try and just, like, have fun. 
And at this moment, we actually see like a real smile appear over Jimmy's face. This is like the first time that Jimmy's had a smile in this whole episode where it wasn't, you know, the previous time that he did smile, there was a bit more, like, it was a bit more sinister because of the fact that he was talking about the gun and was trying to seem cool to his friends. But now that he's like seeing that, like, here's an opportunity that I can make friends and really enjoy life this way, he's really happy about it. And he takes the ball, tries to shoot it. Unfortunately, he does miss. And it rolls its way over to Nick and his gang, who are at the community center also. And they immediately just start mocking him over the fact that he missed the shot. Yeah. And fortunately, there is an intervention. There's not, not you know, someone rushing in to save him, but Frida. Mm-hmm. Frida, who is the savior of this community. And she comes in and announces that Dakota is putting on a big fright fest in the community center and that she wants Jimmy, Richie, and Virgil to all pitch in and help. So this kind of takes the heat off of Jimmy. And we get to see in a nice moment that the whole school coming together to put together this this fright fest. So two things I want to mention here right off the top. We haven't really had a chance to mention it before, but the animation in this episode is stellar. Oh, yes. Um, It's so crisp and clean, especially during this big montage where there's a lot of busy things, a lot of moving parts and characters. So the animation is really top notch, complete 360 from (laughs) forgetting what race characters are. (laughs) (laughs) from scene to scene and also during this fright fest the maze they built in this gym is more impressive than anything i've built in my entire stagecraft career that is true because i was just looking at all of it and i was just like i've never even like the fact i've never even built like a miniature maze like and they did it with like what seemed like paper mache (laughs) this is when we find out that um the property brothers were actually specs and trapper from back in the day (laughs) so now that they've really built out this really cool maze, Virgil's telling the story, telling more about the story of how Jimmy's really fallen in love in this designing aspect, especially creating a lot of the spooky stuff. Like there's at one point he um he's installing black lights. He's I don't remember what it's called, but it's like that old timey moving image thing where you like take the image. It's like a cylinder and you put it on top of the flame or a candle or something. Yeah, I know there was one of these in The Conjuring. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, (laughs) but, you know, it's that Conjuring thing. Yeah. Or Sinister, it's one of those. They're all the same. (laughs) I think they're all in the same universe. You're right. (laughs) And as he's, you know, talking about this, we're seeing Jimmy really light up. He also comments on the fact that Jimmy has a bit of a crush on Frida, which is why during this entire time that they're building out the maze, Jimmy's really only talking to Virgil, Richie, and Frida, mainly because Jimmy's trying to impress her. So now they've completed basically all the stuff they need to. It's like the day before or something. And Richie comes through. He has a ton of masks that he says that Frida wanted everybody to wear for the opening night. So Jimmy decides he's going to go look for her as an opportunity to once again impress her with the mannequins that he's put together, the very like creepy statues and everything that he's done. And I I mean, I gotta say, Jimmy's what did a really good job on a lot of this stuff. So I don't blame him for trying to rush over to Frida, trying to say like, hey, this is this cool thing I did, especially because she's behind all this. Yeah, I mean, come on, this, again, this maze, it's incredible. The flashlight spider great oh yeah that flashlight yeah i gotta use that at some point in the halloween in the future <laughs> it's so smart so jimmy finds frida in the maze and unfortunately bully babyface is there trying to to throw put some moves being like jimmy's shy but i'm not shy i'm like boy you 10 shut up <laughs> and 
while they are having this conversation, Jimmy stumbles in, which prompts the bully baby to chase him. And it's this wild chase through this maze that is approximately seven miles long, I think, just estimating by the 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 size of this chase that sounds about right <laughs> like how big is this come on guys like there are several quarters it's a different it was all in the gym but it felt like it went through the whole building <laughs> right like what is the square footage i guess when alva renovated the gym he made it the size of cyborg's football stadium in high school <laughs> <laughs> old reference guys old reference and um so jimmy is being chased and after this uh, really harrowing chasing, you can see how frightened Jimmy is. They, the bullies shove him in a locker and he's screaming, just begging to get out. And to Frida's credit, she calls him out right away. She's not, she's un, not ashamed to say, you guys messed up. And even though Virgil gets him out of the locker, Jimmy is clearly shaken by the incident. And in light of that, he decides to skip out on the Fright Fest event completely and Virgil goes to catch up with him the day after yeah because now it's time for them to break down this entire maze that they set up Nick he's clearly showing that like even though he was seemed remorseful about the fact of being called out by Frida he's still up to his old ways because he's talking to Frida and saying that like he had to teach Jimmy a lesson you know he shouldn't be he shouldn't be eavesdropping like that and Frida does tell him that like if you wanted to apologize don't say that you're going to come and help me with break down the decorations. You should just go apologize to Jimmy like she's about to do, which I was really impressed just to hear that because, you know, Frida didn't do anything wrong in that scenario, but acknowledging the fact that like she could have done something else in any way, shape or form. I appreciate just hearing that. And now Virgil and Robert are on their way to, to the community center. Robert, I'm guessing is just going to work for the day or just going to supervise the breakdown, make sure they're not messing up his brand new um, sparkling gym. And as Virgil is heading over, as they're driving over, they decide to stop over by Jimmy's. They stop and see Jimmy's dad is out there working on his car. And he allows Virgil to go upstairs because he believes that Jimmy's at home. But that's when in Jimmy's room, Virgil sees the laptop that he saw in the very beginning of our episode. And as he opens it up, he sees that Jimmy has typed out his manifesto here called the Battle Journal. And in it, it reads that basically he's been tired of all the abuse that he's been receiving by Nick and he feels it's time to do something. Yeah. And this is when things really get real because now, now Virgil mentions to Mr. Hawkins that there is a handgun in the house. And immediately Robert calls out Jimmy's dad. Like, why would you have a handgun in your house when there's a kid here? Mm -hmm. And says, your son's depressed. You know, he needs help. And in this horrifying moment, you know, Jimmy's father realizes the gun is gone. It's not there. And Robert says, we got to go do something. So Robert goes to community center alone. He does not want to risk putting Virgil in any danger whatsoever. And we cut to the community center where Jimmy is there, the bullies are there, and Jimmy has a gun. Yeah, and this is the most heartbreaking scene of all because it starts off with Jimmy walking in and already baby bully here, Nick, just pulls off the most disgusting line that you could think of by asking him if he forgot something in his locker. So this immediately sets off Jimmy as he pulls the gun 
And now we see Jimmy's in full tears, just recounting all the mistreatment that he received from Nick and his gang this entire time, all for their sixth sense of enjoyment. And Nick himself is now feeling this fear. He's apologizing profusely, just saying, please don't shoot me. He like, you know, I didn't mean anything about it. It was all just a joke. And Jimmy is just like, I'm tired of the jokes. But then even though Robert's on his way, Virgil is suited up as static, is trying to also head on his way. We do have a true hero come up here as Richie starts speaking to Jimmy, asking him to put the gun down. Because in his speech, he says that everything that's happened to you won't matter in a day or a week. But the decision that you're making right now could affect the rest of your life forever. And it's just enough that it gets through to Jimmy. Because at the end of the day, Jimmy's not a bad kid. He's not like what we've seen from other episodes where it's just like he's trying to steal, steal, use guns for power or anything like that. He He's just misguided here at this point. And he unfortunately had access to a powerful weapon here. Yeah, and, and uh, he, he is willing to leave this behind and to stop it, what he's doing until two of the bullies try to rush Jimmy. And because they rush him, and his hand finger is on the trigger, the gun goes off, Richie gets shot in the leg, and just when Static arrives and tosses the gun out of Jimmy's hand, leaves it on the ceiling, and we get an absolutely devastating scene of Jimmy collapsing just in a wreck and just can't, can't bear the weight of what he's done, even accidentally. And this is when we catch up to the present time where Virgil mentions that the look on on Jimmy's face he describes it and you know he has to maintain his identity so he says I heard that's how he looked like therapist says one of uh, one of the best lines I think of the episode where she just says bullets don't discriminate Mm -hmm. so it there was just nothing there was no way to to determine who would have gotten hurt or if anybody gotten hurt because that's just how dangerous it is in an untrained person's hand yeah and another point that does come up Virgil really expresses his frustrations here you know he's talking about how mad he is at Jimmy for shooting Richie he's mad at Nick and his crew for keep messing with Jimmy and he's also mad at himself for not being able to do anything you know and I hearing that is just like these are again just he's going through all these stages of guilt and anger it's almost like he's you know, expressing his depression about this scenario. And as the therapist does give him those comforting words, Virgil leaves and he sees Frida outside and they start talking. And this is where we get caught up now to the present time in which we learn about the state of every person so far. Richie's good. Everybody that was involved in the situation will go through counseling to discuss everything that happened. And what's worse, Jimmy has to go through counseling as well, but he also, it seems, has to go to juvie for firing the gun inside the community center and he, or even just bringing it into the community center. Yeah, and by comparison, the baby bully, he gets suspended probably not for a long time, definitely not long enough to justify his constant harassment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, the characters even comment doesn't seem fair. That, you know, seems disproportionate, but that's how it goes. And... In an encouraging way to wrap up the events, we see Richie with the cast on his leg and everyone remarking, you know, how lucky this was because 
the the doctor even said if the bullet had gone higher mm-hmm. and Virgil doesn't even let him finish the sentence. And as they're walking through the hallway, Virgil sees someone else get bullied and decides to go and help that person. And it really seems to have made a difference in, in the bystander's life. Yeah. And our episode fully ends with a special chair sit down conversation with Static. He's flying off and he provides a message to us all about just like the history of gun violence and the importance of gun control and just flagging some of these stats. Because again, this episode is from 2002. So, you know, these stats will have definitely have changed since then. And he comments that in one year alone, it's uh, 6,000 kids were expelled for bringing the gun to school. 4,000 kids are killed by guns every year. And he reminds us all that if you ever hear someone saying they have access to a gun or offer to show you their gun, remove yourself from the situation and tell an adult, tell a, tell someone who has the ability to remove the situation from causing any future harm and make sure to keep the peace. Yes. And that, that's where we conclude with his, you know, message for peace with statistics and that wraps it up. Obviously, we're not going to rank this. <laughs> this is a this is a very special episode, obviously, with a distinct message. But what what I can say, and I, I may maybe you'll echo this. There's a lot of special episodes out there. <laughs> a lot yes. of a lot of uh, I pushed a message. <laughs> but what I did appreciate was that this still felt like an episode of Static. It didn't feel like the show had broken its entire formula Mm -hmm. to deliver a meaningful message. It felt like as a testament to the show, again, that is constantly covering serious issues anyway, this felt like a natural extension of the show for me. And, you know, yes, it did have the end scene where they're directly addressing, but or something where you're getting so serious, you kind of need to do that. Otherwise, you know, kids might be confused and think, you know, all kinds of things. So it does make sense to have that last camera address. Yeah, I agree. Also, you know, this, like you said, this feels like a static episode, but when you really look back on it, this was the one episode of Static Shock where we barely saw any static abilities being used. Like maybe three times at most. There was no, there was, uh, you know, it's just shocking to see that we had such a compelling episode and didn't have to resort to, you know, superhuman abilities of, of feats and strength in order to solve the issue. This is one of those episodes of Static where it's just like, we needed to address it. And, you know, in 2002, you know, this was at the cusp, I think, of just when we were experiencing um, gun violence in, in within the cities. And then you know, also gun violence within schools. There was unfortunately a period in which we all experienced seeing guns being used in school. We came from a generation that saw what happened with the events of Columbine, one of the, if not, I think the first um, school mass school shooting that ever went down. So, and that rocked our generation for years. You know, it's why we needed episodes like this to really just say that we're recognizing now that some of this stuff is so easily accessible that we needed to bring that forward. And I'm glad that they did it in this way, where it's just like 
already breaking a lot of barriers here of just, you know, speaking to a therapist, recognizing that at the end, there's during this whole time, he's just really just confused about everything that went down. But even in the end, it's still left so ambiguous and confusing because it's just like, why is it that the people who were the true victims here experiencing um, like are being treated so unfairly like jimmy going through going to juvie compared to nick just getting some suspension and i don't know like maybe a couple hours of community service doesn't equate on the justice scale for us and that same level of confusion that they brought there is the same level of confusion that people feel when they unfortunately do have to experience these situations yeah i do yeah it there's definitely they take the time to not present this person as this loner who is mm-hmm. set off by, you know, video games or some like <laughs> devilish music or whatever, some excuses people come up with to try to justify it. And I think the show does a good job at saying there it's hard to justify. It's hard to explain what's going on. You kind of want to rationalize these incidents. You, you want to be able to trace together a pattern so that these things never happen again. And it's there's no one thing. There's no, of course, yes, if a gun had not been available to Jimmy to in such a close proximity, even though it was locked up, if it had not been in such close proximity, would he have tried something else? Would something else have gone down? We don't know. But what we do know is that the this incident stemmed with mental issues, with bullying and being pushed to such a level before anyone intervened in a meaningful way. So the message is really pushing not to carry guilt, not to carry responsibility for these incidents, but to understand that there are many parts of this process and many points where maybe something could have been done, some action from adults. Yes. And that because that action was not taken by adults and it rippled down to the kids and unfortunately led to the events we saw here. Yeah. And just speaking about the how an adult's impact could have changed this scenario in any way if it was addressed earlier on, something that I felt was kind of visually just like a way to show that was just the, um, again, Jimmy's room was very dark. We saw the little things here and there. And then it wasn't until Virgil went inside the room by himself and alerted his father and also Jimmy's father about the plan that Jimmy might have been put in an action that Robert opens up all the blinds. And it really kind of just like, for me, it was echoing. It's like, we're shining a light on this situation dealing with your son right now. Jimmy isn't a kid like that, or Jimmy isn't going to do anything like that. He's not that kind of person. This is why I felt safe about leaving the gun the way I did, because I never expected Jimmy to do anything like that. These are real lines from the episode, but these are also real lines that we hear from from people around these these scenarios where they just never, that just shows us to hear that like, we never expect when these things are going to happen. So this is why it's important to always just keep a watchful eye. Just really say something if you're aware of something might happen, because the more vigilant that we are, the better we are at helping people when it comes to these scenarios, because it means that we don't have cases like what happened here with Jimmy or what happened here, what happened with a lot of other um, unfortunate mass shootings throughout history. And, you know, it's something that I will say that I think the comic book industry is now learning how to address because to be honest, in um, 
in superhero stuff, you're more likely going to see your the hero face off against the gun, but more if it being like them dodging it or taking the hit because our heroes are expected to put themselves in front of the gun and we know that they'll survive because either, again, they'll jump out the way or the gun can't pierce their impervious skin or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you have superhero, a lot of superheroes that are bulletproof or can make guns virtually not a problem to them. Mm-hmm. So it it helps to ground it. And I think it is important to, as important as this episode is as a very special episode, I think it's also key to understanding what makes this series so so good and so solid because every bang baby that Virgil faces that has trouble with their powers, they're another kid with a gun. Their gun is just metahuman abilities and they're pointing it and they're misusing it, misusing their gift. And, you know, the what the therapist said, it goes back to what the therapist said, where she goes, it's okay to be angry, but it's what we do with that anger that matters. And you, the show constantly shows teenagers who are turning their anger against their community, turning their anger against their loved ones and people who are, don't deserve it, innocent people. And the series always emphasizes that rehabilitation and mental help for these kids is the most important, you know, especially in episodes like Frozen. So this series, this is again why it feels like an extension because the series isn't doing anything new. It's not saying anything groundbreakingly new from what it teaches. It's just making the issue more realistic and making something, making it something you might encounter in the real world. Yeah. And, you know, just really going to go back to that point about how we take and use that anger. Um, Because in some cases in which a lot of comic book writers have been commenting on it, about the just gun violence. And we saw really two big comics that came out um, following the events of, of some mass shootings that we had within the between the years of 2016 and 2019. And both of these comics, one is Marvel's Champions, um, issue number 24, which was released in 2018. In that one, we saw what happens during um, basically a moment of a mass shooting at a school which was unfortunately at that time a very common thing within our own society. And then DC had their own in actually dropped in the same same month their their six or sorry nine issue miniseries uh Heroes in Crisis. This wasn't a crisis book like we've been typically exposed to with um Infinite Crisis or anything like that. This was Tom King wanted to address also the mass killings that were happening in schools by creating an allegorical story of the DC heroes having their safe haven basically be taken away from them after a mass murder situation happened at this location. And both of these books took us through the eyes of the people who have fallen victim to these situations, the people who were either in vicinity of these scenarios or had to learn about family members who were family or friends that were affected by these scenarios, and also the people who were responsible for these scenarios. So to have it with Marvel's champions in this one, Miles Morales and his team, his and his team of the champions, they deal with the school shooting that happens at Miles' school. And a very big moment that happened in that thing was that um, 
as Miles is going through therapy. Again, he is just like Static here. He can't reveal his identity. The therapist tells him he's not a superhero. And then Miles has to leave the room because, you know, to us, the comic book readers, we know that he is. So to hear that comment means it's just to find his own act, his own reflections on the scenario that he could have done something to avoid this. And this leads him into his own stage of depression, along with the rest of his team, who includes Ironheart, who is the basically Marvel's new newer Iron Man, Riri Williams, who we'll see soon see a show of. I'm very happy for that. But her she lost her stepfather and her best friend to gun violence and created a suit of armor so that. Not only could she protect others around her, but also herself. And then we see them experiencing active shooter drills, which became a common thing among schools. And then we also see people who weren't connected to it try to explain it. They try to explain it either through math or through science. It, it's something you just can't really explain. And to have that in a comic was just groundbreaking and new because these are all the feelings that we're feeling now. And then, you know, to have that there and see that happen to our heroes, people with unlimited abilities was just even a more shocking moment. Yeah, and I I love that, you know, they went, they dove into that. It, it does remind me of, for fans of Arrow, there was a, the live action Arrow, there was an episode called Spectre of the Gun mm-hmm. in which, they address an elephant in the room that two of the team members use guns. Non-lethal rounds, we assume? It's... Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm assuming <laughs> it's non-lethal rounds, if not Trank. It's never been really specified in the show, but given the arrows, the main character's um, code of not killing following season two, excluding season four. Um, <laughs> and yeah, a bunch so... of other times outside of that. <laughs> yeah. We're assuming it's not lethal. <laughs> yeah, but in any case, because two characters primarily use guns, they end up having a deep discussion about gun rights and gun laws. And Oliver Queen, who's the mayor at the time, as well as a superhero, also has to reckon with his feelings about guns and figure out what the meaningful policies he can put into place to keep people safe. So these debates are constantly happening. And I, I believe, he, and also in Punisher too, there were extensive yeah. discussions about gun use and gun violence. So even in, in superhero media, they're using these fantastical settings to bring back to real issues because these issues are unfortunately still occurring. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things and a lot of questions people still have about these incidents. But the more we can make people aware and make especially younger children to who may be in a situation where either they know someone with a gun or a relative has a gun, the more we can make them aware and confront these issues in media aimed at them, the more likely we can get conversation started and, and more people informed and more people recognizing signs and hopefully yeah. intervening before something happens. Yeah, agreed. Because the most important thing is cashing those signs so that people can get the help that they need, which again, you see a lot of in um, DC's Heroes in Crisis, which really showed that. 
Um, I'm just putting it out there because it was a really, you know, I didn't really understand it at first until I went to a comic book shop and I was picking up issue three, I think, of it at that point. And the person at the at the shop told me that, like, yeah, this is an allegory for school shootings. And this is what the story that he wanted to tell. And this is honestly, once I heard it in that frame of mind, everything became so clear to me. So I'm just sharing the paying it forward, the knowledge that I got so that you all know that there there are resources out there to help people. And it's never going to be the same thing all the time. It's never going to be the same setup. Like how we were saying, it's not going to be the kid who plays all the violent video games or the kid who's getting bullied. Sometimes it could be somebody that you you know very well who seems very happy, but you're just not knowing what's happening behind closed doors. So this is why it's important to always just remain vigilant and really engage with the people who you're talking with so that you can make sure that not that they're safe and others around them are safe. Yeah, that's that's well said. And I think there's there's a lot of good there's a lot of good morals to take from this episode, but I think if anything another important thing to reinforce is that you should not that don't bear guilt for this. You know, there's a lot of things that happen that, you know, we can't explain and can't add up in our heads, especially mm-hmm. for millennials. Damn, we've seen a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. We millennials have seen a lot. And there's a lot of guilt questions that we carry. So, you know, I, I just recommend if anyone, if you still are just grappling with those questions or, you know, someone who's really having a tough time, there's so many resources there are apps, there are community resources, there's anonymous things. If you're feeling, if you're feeling any negative emotions and you just want to talk with them, and even if you've never done it before, it it is really easy to do. And there are resources everywhere for reduced price, some free. So take advantage of those if you are feeling like that. Yeah. And you know, just to also, I do want to comment real quick about um, about gun control. I personally do not like guns. Um, I'm very much how static felt. Um, you know, I've it's been growing up where I've been growing up. It's been a, it's been a plague, definitely on our society. And to see how a lot of times people kind of romanticize them in their own way, saying that like I'm a good hun- huntsman or great marksman, like it's compared to my scenario and the scenario of others like us here a gun in the hand to us drastically decreases our life expectancy so that's why honestly it's from an unorthodox source but john witherspoon the late john witherspoon said this best in the movie friday basically don't use guns guns are a sign of someone who is weaker and is afraid to honestly take an ass whooping that's what he said you know you are better off using your fist that's the only protection that you need in life because you know with a fist you recognize that you'll you'll win some and you'll lose some but you'll always live to fight another day take the risk of losing a fight and catching an ass whooping is better than winning with a gun and serving a life in prison so just take those words to heart because it is such terrible scenarios when we have to hear that the guns were involved in any case scenario because we it's too it's just really a damaging thing 
And there definitely needs to be more gun control laws out there. There needs to be better maintenance. If there needs to be better background checks that needs to be put into place because having them be this accessible as they are now. And in 2002, to have like Jimmy here in a fictional world have access like this is that's not fictional. That is a real story that has happened several times. So let's, you know, get together and try to make sure that gun control is just in a better scenario so that we don't have to constantly live in fear with what may happen and worry about if stepping out into the world could be something darker than it actually is. Absolutely. I 100% agree. It's especially with John Witherspoon. It's 100% agree. And if you want to learn how to support causes to help, if you want to just learn more and be better informed, there are some links we'll leave below of some resources you can check out that we we've used um, in our own artistic things to to mm-hmm. reference. So yeah, just check those out. And if if you're interested, and yeah, that that's really really what we wanted to spend time and and give time and space for such a serious issue before we get back to the the serious the fun and the light episodes of Virgil and how many schools he'll destroy and his <laughs> and his endeavor to stop Carmen Dillo. <laughs> But yeah, we just wanted to take the time to, to, to really speak on this and, and encourage people to reflect and think about where we are. And hopefully there'll be a day where this episode is fiction and that's all it is. But we have to do what we can and keep raising awareness where we can until then. Oh, y'all. Until then, take care of yourselves and remember that Bullying happens around the world. How you respond to it is one of the most important things. So if you see someone in need, help them out. If you are bullying somebody, just stop it. Exactly. Check in on other people. Check in on yourselves and definitely take care out there. We'll see you next time with more Carmen Dillo and more fun. <laughs> more jacked individuals. <laughs> more jacked individuals. <laughs> So hope to carry yourself until then. Now that we've finished talking about our DC animated content, here are some recommended readings for you. All these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop, so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall, and tell them Andrew and Shamar sent you. The first comic on our list is Champions number 24. This Marvel comic from 2018 tells the story of what it was like when the youngest heroes had to deal with an incident of gun violence at the school of Miles Morales. In this comic, we see how each hero tries to understand it and the responses that parallel our own world. Next, we have DC's Heroes in Crisis. This nine-part event written by Tom King starts as a murder mystery, but then shifts its focus to detail the stability of the survivors following a traumatic event. After an incident at a safe haven for the heroes leave many of them dead, the pillars of DC's heroic community try to understand how this happened, especially since it means it had to be one of their own breaking the ultimate trust. That's all for our comic list. Also remember that if you or someone you know ever needs help, resources are available. Set up some time to speak with a licensed professional, or you can text HOME to 741-741 to chat with a US crisis counselor who is available 24-7. If you feel depressed, anxious, lonely, or have thoughts of causing harm or self-harm, it is important to talk to someone. 
Take care of yourself and we'll see you next time.